All right, now, let's look at the vocabulary on page 27 under section H. I want you to notice, and we're going to talk generally here now. We'll go on for a few more minutes before we take the break. Again, this is why I wanted you to be here for more than the one hour. Because in this chapter, chapter 3, I've got to explain how stuff is set up, you know, in the book and everything like that. And we did the whole verbal system this time. When we do the future, I'm not going to be explaining what connecting vowels do and all that. We've done that all this morning. Look at H vocabulary. I want you to notice these are all verbs. I want you to notice that every single one ends with an omega. Why? Because it's this form. The vocabulary is given to you in the form of the first person singular present indicative active. That's the form that's given. It's always given like that. When you look it up, you go to the big Liddell and Scott classical dictionary, you see Leo like that. So, let's do this very specifically and laboriously. How do you make other forms? You take a verb like ago, you take the omega off, and you put the other terminations on. Ago, agais, agai. So, here. Ago, agais, agai. Agamen, agate, agusi. All right? Akuo. Akuo, aku, ice, aku, ai. Aku amen, aku ete, aku use. Aku use. Is the next one blepo? Yep. Blepo, blepais, blepai, blepamen, blepate, blepus. See? That is exactly how it goes. Now we want to do middles. Take that off and put on omai. Blepamai, blepe, blepatai, blepometha, blepiste, blepantai. So, these forms, now watch what I'm going to do here. This next part's very important. <clears throat> Second singular, third singular, these are not principal parts. Why? Because you can make them predictably. See? That, that's the pattern that they all, all the verbs use. As long as you can produce stuff predictably, nothing's a principal part. Now, <clears throat> next to each word, is an R big, R little, or nothing. Look at the first three words. Blepo has a big R, the third word. Akuo has a little R, and Ago has nothing. This indicates whether or not a verb is regular or irregular. What now? In, not in this chapter. I want to emphasize this point also to the camera. Not in this chapter. It'll be irregular, ago, in the future chapters, in succeeding chapters, I should say, when we get other tenses. Principally, which one? Principally, the simple past, the aorist. Every single verb on this chart, ago and 
lipo, the second one of the second column, those two, without the R, those will by definition be unpredictable when they do their simple past tense. They will be like buy, bought, go, went, throw, through, like that. The ones with the big R will be predictable all the way. Walked, walk, walk, walked, walked. Love, loved, loved. The ones with the little r will be predictable into their past tense, but then some succeeding thing like the perfect will go off the beam. Example in English. So, sowed, then what? Sown. Shear, sheared, shorn. Okay? That's little r in English to speak vels. Okay? That'd be little r. But see, and here, those of you who learn, how many, put your hands up. Anybody who learned Greek before with another book? Okay. Here's the trouble with other books. They treat a verb that is irregular in some of the principal parts as if it's irregular in all of the principal parts. And that's not sensible. In other words, if a verb like a cool is regular when you get to the past tense, to my way of thinking, that's a regular verb. Sure, there's some stuff later on that goes off the beam. But the simple past tense is the one you use all the time when you're doing narrative. So when we're reading the Bible and Jesus is going around doing healings and stuff, he's doing it in the, in the aorist. So that's why there's the little r. If you were doing a corresponding, um, what shall I call it, a corresponding um, layout for other books, all the little r's would be gone. See, the big R's would be there yet, but the little R's would all be gone. The little R is my own invention of saying, you know what? Hey, if the thing is regular, the first half, the first three principal parts, give it a break. It's basically a regular verb. And that'll mean if it's regular for the first three principal parts, which are present, future, and aorist, it'll be regular until chapter 25. If it's irregular, it'll get irregular already in chapter 8. That's the difference. See, that's the difference. All right, now, um, uh, before I take any questions, I've got a note for myself here that I do want to emphasize this point again because I've had trouble in the past with it. <clears throat> Any talk of those big and little r's for principal parts has nothing to do with this chapter. It has to do with succeeding chapters. So <clears throat> it's not like this. If the verb doesn't have an r and it's irregular, it doesn't mean that you can't do out all the forms like this. You know, as, as if they use different terminations or something like that. Oh, no, no, no. Ah. That only has to do with principal parts when you change tenses. So all the stuff we're doing, all the forms here are predictable. 
Now, by the way, when you go through the forms, that is called conjugating them. So to use that specific word, we would say, <clears throat> I, I would say to you, James, conjugate Leo for me in the present indicative middle. Then you would say, Leomai, Lie, Leotai, Leometha, Leoste, Leontai, the first forms we put up there. That's conjugating the forms. That is to say, it is running through them. First singular, second singular, third singular, first plural, second plural, third plural. That's conjugated. <clears throat> when you go through the various forms of the nouns of the cases, like nominative, genitive, dative, and accusative, they usually call that declining. So you don't, uh, so in other words, in other words, you conjugate verbs and you decline nouns. You don't decline verbs. Now, this is a very interesting linguistic oddity. I have no idea why we couldn't talk about declining verbs, right? We're going through the forms or conjugating nouns. But it's always used like that. And, <clears throat> you know, we do have, we do have some a number of things like that in English where a verb is linked to a, an activity with a specific object or subject in mind like that. And this is exactly true. When you're talking about nouns, you use decline. When you talk about verbs, you use conjugate. <clears throat> so, um, you know, I suppose, here, I suppose it's like this. This would be a kind of another example in English. Having too much wine or beer, liquor, <clears throat> we would call that drunkenness. Having too much food is gluttony. But you know what? It's too much ingesting of digestible stuff. So why can't you call too much wine gluttony? Well, you just don't. You, know? you use a specific word when you are using a specific subject or object in the sentence. <clears throat> so technically, we'll just put those up there, those kind of terms. 